Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Austin Peterson here with the Freedom Report podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm here at CPAC and I uh, ran into an old friend of mine, uh, Hannah. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Austin. Hannah Cox. Uh, and we're here talking about the death penalty. Uh, I recently brought this topic up when I was uh, in Missouri because we just passed some very strict abortion legislation when people were talking about being pro-life. And I happen to be one of those type of people, Hannah, that thinks that being pro-life should extend to all names and faces of policies, whether it's abortion, whether it's the death penalty. I don't know if that's your position, but I wonder what your thoughts are on it. Do you agree with me on that position? Or I absolutely agree with you. I think it's one reason that you've been such a powerful voice on this issue is because you are consistent on it. And I think that that's something you hear both sides criticize the other side for, right? You hear liberals say conservatives aren't consistent on this. Conservatives say liberals aren't consistent on this. And at the end of the day, if you're going to call your pro- yourself pro-life, I think it does mean from birth all the way through death. That's where conservatives' concern was founded, was by a group of conservatives in Montana who considered themselves absolutely pro life and wanted to see the right really take this on fully as an issue and so it kind of began organically there and has grown nationally ever since so that's definitely where we were founded that's good to hear i uh, i'm curious though how how successful has conservatives against concern about the death penalty been around the country trying to pass legislation or to affect governors and in, in, in their decision making about who will get the death penalty have, have you had some wins at all we have so we started studying this issue when we launched which was 2012 mm-hmm. and at that point uh, we went all the way back to 2000 and you rarely saw Republican state lawmakers introducing repeal bills, if at all. Uh, once we launched 2012, we studied it again between 12 and 16, and we found that that number increased by 10 times the amount of people. Uh, this year alone, we have seven states where Republicans have introduced bills to repeal the death penalty at the state level, and we're seeing a good bit of bipartisan support in many of those states. So I would like to think that our work has had something to do with it. We've been really uh, talking to a lot of governors and AGs and lawmakers for quite some time and laying the groundwork for this. So I think we're seeing the results. What's like your motive? attack, I guess, when you try and approach someone about changing their mind, if you have a legislator that you're approaching, how do you approach something like this? I mean, how do you bring it up? Do you 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 frame it in pictures of faith, perhaps, that it's incompatible with someone who believes in it being pro-life for religious reasons? Do you frame it another way? How do you usually approach this? So, as a former supporter of the death penalty, it was not any single one issue that made me change my mind, and Mm -hmm. so I don't really like to pick what's going to change somebody's mind. I want to hear what they think the death penalty does, why they like it, why they support it. Mm-hmm. And then I want to talk to them about the facts around that. Because really, I think most people have a perception of the death penalty that does not actually hold up. Um, and there's a, a whole onion of reasons to be against the death penalty. You could talk about innocence issues. You could talk about cost issues, deterrence issues. Um, you could talk about how the cost of the death penalty actually contribute to a lack of more crimes being solved. You can talk about the impact on murder victims' family members. You can talk about faith. There's so many reasons to dig in. I will say I think the innocence issue within the system was what really got my attention first. Uh, I thought that was an anomaly. It's actually one person has been exonerated for every 10 executions in the country. And those are not things that are being caught by the system. This is being caught by groups working outside of the system, typically pro bono, to prove innocence and then come in. And that takes a long time, usually about 9 to 10 years for that to work its way out. Okay. Uh, that's concerning to me. Well, just to be to play devil's advocate here for a moment, I mean, if somebody has been tried and convicted of our criminal system, of a of a serious crime. I mean, isn't it very likely that they did it, and don't they then in turn deserve the death penalty? 
No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I used to think so, right? Uh-huh. I think we're taught that our justice system was set up to let 100 guilty men go free rather than one innocent person perish. Uh-huh. And as a limited government person, for some reason most of my life, even knowing how corrupt government was, knowing how fallible it was, I thought that was the one part of the system that actually worked as it was supposed to. Uh-huh. When you start digging into it, it's not just the death penalty system. The criminal justice system as a whole has over 2,000 wrongful convictions. Uh-huh. Um, you see this happening all the time. You also see a lot of corruption. You've seen lab technologists tried for actually falsifying evidence. You've seen uh, people give wrongful testimony. I think the practice of using informants is highly problematic. You've seen a lot of those turn out to be false. So there's a lot of ways it can go wrong in the system, and I certainly don't think a conviction equals guilt. Well, this is, wow, this is, I mean, there's a lot of uh, data to unpack here, and I mean, obviously I agree with you on this issue, but, you know, in order to be fair to the audience, there may be people who disagree with both of us on this one. The, the death penalty is supposed to be a deterrent to stop other people from committing these kinds of crimes. Is it a deterrent? I would argue no. If you look at the uh, violent crime rates in regions of the country that employ the death penalty the most, they actually consistently have much higher violent crime rates than regions that do not employ it. And additionally, when you see a state get rid of it, you actually typically see their crime rates fall, if not remain stagnant. You actually have not yet seen an increase in the spike of crime if they do get rid of the death penalty. So I don't think there's much evidence to say it's a deterrent. Criminologists agree. 88% of them say it's not. And that's because people, when they're committing a crime, are not thinking about the punishment. They're either acting in a very methodical way and they think they're going to get away with it, or they're acting a crime of passion, or they're mentally unstable. In no situation are they stopping and thinking, this is the punishment, I better not do this. Now, I I don't know, you may not want to answer this question, but I think it's a good question. What is the most humane form of execution that the government can possibly engage in, in your opinion? Huh. Because I've heard some arguments yeah. that perhaps the the death penalty is administered by lethal injection is not quite as home, humane as we had Right. We thought. thought it was painless for some time. We now know that midazolam, which is the primary drug that's administered in a three-drug protocol, is actually causing uh, the effects of being waterboarded, essentially. And so a lot of courts are saying this actually does violate the Eighth Amendment and would be considered cruel and unusual punishment. Okay. Due to that, I don't know that we have an effective, humane way well, to Because I've, I've honestly heard like people uh, who are death penalty People who want to abolish the death penalty, the advocates say that perhaps the, the most humane form of execution that we could have would be the um, firing squad, mm-hmm. right? That it's quick, it's painless, it's over very quick. If we're going to have uh, executions, they should be at least as humane as possible. I know that you're advocating to get rid of the death penalty, but does conservatives' concern try and, and push to get rid of less humane executions as well, or is it just an abolishment? We really haven't worked on it from that angle, and, and I'll be quite frank, that's mm-hmm. not an issue that's really ever compelled me yeah. on the death penalty. Sure. I think that's certainly something that a lot of people on the left have worked through and have been very adamant about, and I think they've done a lot in the courts to to approach that. I think it's an interesting component of this debate. Mm-hmm. It certainly was not what made me change my mind, and I don't really know that it necessarily holds up with some of the conservative other tenets that we try to advocate on. Well, you know, this is, I would, people, somebody might call this trolling, but I, I honestly think, you know, this is a good way to talk about this, this subject with people. Sometimes I engage in hyperbole. But what I have said is that I would be willing to compromise on the death penalty, perhaps, if if it could be attached to legislation that would make it mandatory for every registered voter to be required to participate in the execution. Meaning that if you're registered to vote, then you have to be a part of the firing squad. So that way people who go out and vote can see what the ultimate result of their voting is.
I like your hyperbole, and I've actually heard from several people that were either on juries that uh, sentenced someone to death or that were in the execution chamber, and I've yeah. heard similar things said by all of them, that they really have had lasting effects of that. It's very been very traumatic for them, and they said, if I had had to go in and do it, I would never have voted for this. Wow. And even though I didn't, the effects of that being on my conscience has yeah. really weighed on me. We actually offer wow. counseling through the government for people who sit on death penalty juries because Whoa. we know it's traumatizing for them, but we That's still ask them to do it. And, and we're asking murder victims' families to have that on their hands as well. It's also very traumatizing for many of them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like the most anti-mandatory everything, but if we have the death penalty, I think it should be mandatory that people be required to participate. And I mean participate, like pull the damn trigger themselves. Because essentially you do have blood on your hands if yeah. you're advocating It's for like this. why some people advocate for the draft, mm-hmm. because then if you if you advocated for the draft, then people would get rid of the draft, right? Because they wouldn't want to send their kids. You know, yeah. they'd be anti-war, but, you know, it's just, again, just hyperbole. I'm just joking. I'm not for the death penalty, but um, you know, you know, this is one of those issues that is, I would say, growing in popularity in the conservative circles, but it's not popular. You know, like the, I would tend to think that the liberals tend to be more anti-death penalty, and the conservatives tend to be more law and order. But I mean, President Trump passed the most sweeping criminal justice reform bill that we've seen in decades. I mean, is it possible that we could see action on this from the top down, or do you think it's mostly going to come from state level enforcement? So, for our organization, we want state level. We are federalists. We think this is a states' rights issue. I think that's appropriate to be handled there. Mm-hmm. Also, though, I do think with not only some of the criminal justice reforms that are being passed at the federal level and with bipartisan support, but also just the, the growing uh, true crime mm-hmm. entertainment industry, I think people are getting to look behind the curtain of the criminal justice system and recognizing that it doesn't work the way they thought it did. So I think you will see more and more people starting to question the system and having trouble with it. And I'll also lastly point out that while if you look at polls, public sentiment might remain high, the actual usage is painting a very different picture. So destinances are actually down 60% since 2000. So juries just aren't going for it at the race that they used to anymore. Um, on top of that, executions are really down. Last year was the fourth year in a row we had less than 30 executions in the country. Um, all 25 of those were carried out in only eight states, and over half of them came from Texas. Mm. Of the 30 states that still have the death penalty, 11, which is more than a third, haven't used it in a decade or more. So you might say public sentiment's high, but it sort of comes back to what you were saying. Do people really want to go through with it? Do yeah. you really want to be involved with this? And I think you're actually seeing a little bit different picture by those who are actually really involved and up close to it, because they're not simply, they're just simply not going through I'm really blown away by it. This is a fantastic interview, Hannah. Thank you very much. There's a lot of data. If people want to get more information about this, where can they find out more? So our website is conservativesconcern.org. We're also really active on Twitter and Facebook at our acronym CCATDP. CCATDP, Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty, and it's conservativesconcern.org. Conservativesconcern.org. You know, Glenn Beck always taught me, Austin, he said, whenever I met him, he said, Austin, you need to say it three times so they know. So it's conservatives concerned, conservatives concerned, conservatives concerned. If you're concerned and a conservative or a libertarian, most likely. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Hannah. Thanks, Austin. Yeah.